In a country that is rich with diversity, the United States is home to many people from different ethnicities and racial backgrounds. According to the U.S. Census data in 2019, there are over 44 million immigrants in the United States, and a good chunk of them contribute to the success of the U.S. economy. Immigrants come to the United States for opportunities and utilize their abilities and skills by integrating their culture and their values so that the future generations honor their roots yet have the liberty to embrace American values. Now, it's not easy and there are challenges, but it's an honor for an immigrant to share their story and rich experiences of their journey from their motherland to now homeland. Challengers, welcome back to Challenge Me For You, where coaching, connection, collaboration, and innovation as a whole promotes transformation in health and wellness. I'm Nazia Basha, and today I'm gonna be starting season six. I know it's been a while since I did another episode. I ended season five about a month ago, and I was going through a lot of transitions uh, with work and with graduating from my master's program. Uh, Definitely good things are coming, uh, but I also needed to focus on self-care and prioritize uh, what was in front of me in the moment. Uh, So now uh, for season six, uh, my main focus is going to be around the topics of diversity and inclusion, which is huge in social work. And dear listeners, I hope you take the time to reflect um, upon your stories as well and upon the stories of the guest speakers that I'm going to have um, to just learn and have that curiosity uh, to really expand um, your knowledge or perspective on these topics. Uh, So I invite you into this space of empathy and compassion. So with that being said, I'm excited and honored to have a dear friend, a friend of a friend, Dr. Tasmia Ahmed, who is going to be sharing a personal story with us on her experience as an immigrant. So I'm really looking forward to having a really good conversation with her about her experience and her journey. And uh, we've known each other for quite some time. So it's like family friends uh, for almost, gosh, 12 years. So sit tight. She will be joining us in a few minutes. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Ahmed, for joining me today. Um, I'm very excited to have you speak about your journey because this is a very important topic that has been the highlight for years and it's great to have this discussion during this time uh, when we're talking about diversity and inclusion in a lot of our HR departments so um, so how are you? Hi Nazia, um, it's Nazia Basha, my uh, friend my family friend, my friend through uh, a third friend. I I, I know you in so many ways. It's a pleasure to be here with you. 
Um, I'm a great admirer of what you do and how you're reaching out to the community. Um, like you said, it's it's very important um, to have these conversations, and and I agree, this is a great topic. Um, immigration. This is the land of immigrants. Um, thank you for having me, and I'm doing well. Yeah, thank you. It's an honor, and thank you for. Yes, we've been friends for a very long time, almost like family friends for years, going back to 2001. Yes. <laughs> yes, so, yes um, it's a pleasure to have you, and I'm so excited to talk about this. So just to get you familiar with the audience, can you share a little bit about you, some fun facts, what you do, your family, where you live? Yeah, uh, so um, you introduced me as Dr. Ahmed, but I'm also uh, non-formally Tasmia Ahmed. Um, before I was a doctor, I, I was a normal human being. Um, uh, and uh, I've been living in the U.S. since I was eight. Um, currently, I'm a family physician. I've been practicing in Tampa for the last uh, six years or so. Um, and I've been a physician trained in Florida since 20, I don't even know what that, my dates anymore, 20, 2009. <laughs> so, so right now my life um, is going well. Um, uh, I, I have my husband and our little uh, boy Yasin keeping busy 90% of the time um, and <laughs> in, in a good way. Um, and then my professional uh, aspirations and my professional um, duties, giving, keeping me busy and occupied and engaged. Um, it, it is quite a time for physicians right now. And as a family physician, um, this, this is quite a time where we're in the spotlight. Um, you know, uh, that's an aspect of my life that I never realized could be um, such a spotlight in current events you know uh, physicians doctors we're, we're kind of like the nerds of the uh, class we're kind of we're always in the background and then current events suddenly oh my goodness everything's about our field everything is about a disease everything is about health wellness vaccines this that so it, it's been crazy uh, particularly as a physician and then as a member of the scientific community um but it's also been it's been beautiful um being part of a way to try to help humanity and guide guide the public and our patients through this time of crisis so it's it's just been a, a major journey these just like for anybody these these last couple of years and and um, especially as a physician in in a in an additional aspect um, it's it's been quite the journey yeah. but that's me right now i'm doing i'm doing well and um it's a mix of family profession and and uh right now things are going well that's wonderful to hear because i can't imagine you're balancing mom duties uh, wife duties and then as a professional it's like you mentioned it's been quite busy since the pandemic with all this uh, focus on healthcare and as physician as a physician you've got a lot on your plate right now so kudos to you thank you for what you do yeah thanks so much uh, it's an honor it really is an honor well, with that being said, um, do you like to share a little bit, or would you like to share a little bit about your journey when you migrated here, and where did you move from, and what was that like? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, so I guess my legal definition would be, you know, I'm a first-generation immigrant, meaning I was born um, outside of the United States, and I moved here with the intent of making this my new home. 
um, when I was an immigrant, uh, you know, I was just eight years old. Um, and before that, uh, basically my background, I'm, I'm a Bangladeshi. I was born in the country of Bangladesh, a little small little country, maybe about the size of Florida. <laughs> and uh, a peninsula just like Florida, water on all three sides, hurricane seasons, lots of mosquitoes. Um, so uh, I mentioned Florida because that's the state I ended up migrating to. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm a Bangladeshi, my parents are Bangladeshi, and um, we immigrated here to Florida, United States um, in 1990. Mm -hmm. That, and when I say we, it's my father, my mom, and my younger sister, Nashida, who is a very, Nashida Armaya, who's a very good uh, friend of yours as well. Um, yes. <laughs> we, all, we all moved here together in 1990. Um, and at the time, I was only eight. So my, you know, take on the world at that time was, you know, wherever my family is, that's kind of where home was for me. Um, I kind of already had a little bit of experience before moving here of being surrounded in a culture not always exactly the same as what's practiced in my own home. And that was because even though I was born in Bangladesh, uh, my father was actually an engineer working in Kuwait during much of my childhood. And we actually lived there from maybe when I was age two until uh, we immigrated here in the, to the US. Um, so we, I've been used to since very young, since, you know, as young as memory being part of an environment where I'm not the typical one. I'm, you know, I've been used to being in an environment where there's variety. It's not <laughs> a same, same brushstroke all across. So, um, in that aspect, you know, moving to a different country in my mind wasn't something earth shattering or oh I'm going to go to some place where I'm going to speak a different language or I'm going to dress differently or I'll, I'll it, it actually it probably didn't even cross my mind to ask those questions when I when I heard the news um, from my mom that we were moving <laughs> I remember when um, when the first time I became aware that we were moving um, it was during one of our trips from Kuwait um, Every summer, we used to used to visit my nanu and nana's house, my grandparents' house in Bangladesh. Um, from Kuwait, we traveled there to Bangladesh, and we stayed for the summer. Um, one summer, I remember my mom being on the phone, or talking to my grandmother. Sorry, not on the phone, but she was talking to my grandmother, and she had just gotten off the phone with my father. And um, apparently, at that time, my father had already gone to the U.S. and was calling my mom, saying, "Hey, guess what?" we're all going to move to the U.S. I'm over here visiting my sister and now you guys are going to pack your bags and you're going to come join me. So I remember being kind of in the background when I think my mom was talking to my father and just just got the got the news. And I remember my mom talking to my grandmother and, and relaying the news to her, um, you know, and and so when you ask about my experience when I first um, immigrated and beforehand um, I was old enough to have my own experience and also witness my parents so I, I had I had that additional perspective I could witness the difference between how it bore out on my mom you know she was in her 20s she was um, the youngest of her family she was used to a very close-knit family and now she was just informed by her husband guess what you're moving on, on to the other side of the world no longer are you going to have 
trips every summer to your parents' house. You're now going to be separated by time and distance. So even back then, I heard that that um, apprehension in my mom's voice, and almost a sadness. She was not. It wasn't a news that she was. Oh my goodness! Yes, we're going to um, the land of the free, home of the brave. We're going to have a, you know, life is going to be great. No, she was kind of almost devastated. So, so I saw that that it wasn't necessarily received in the best. It was, it was received with with mixed feelings, probably. As a kid, for me, I, I didn't process it much further than okay, I guess we're moving somewhere else, <laughs> and right. let's see what what that comes with. Um, so that was how we received the news. Um, eventually, when we moved there later that year, I think, or later that a few months later, um, we uh, we did. I think what is a trend among immigrants? Um, you kind of follow where you already have a connection to the country you're migrating to. So, for example, we moved to Florida because my husband already had family members who'd already moved to Florida. His um, older sister, some of his brothers were already making home in Florida, um, partly because that's where how the visa programs worked. If you already had a successful uh, immigrant, the the country then allows you to sponsor other relatives to also allow them to come into the country and become a citizen. Um, so we ended up moving to Florida, and we actually stayed at my um, aunt's house, my my father's sister's house, the first year just to adjust. Um, before we, we settled out on our own. And uh, uh, what do I remember about coming to the country? Not much. Again, I've been used to plane flights and all that, just traveling back and forth. Um, what I remember, my aunt was very welcoming. She she gave us gifts as soon as we got off the plane. So, of course, we loved her. Um, she had a beautiful home. Um, I remember some of the things that stood out when we finally got there that made us realize we really are in a different place. Um, obviously everyone's speaking English um, part of that wasn't a culture shock because guess what when we lived in Kuwait we attended English school when we went to Bangladesh we attended English school so a lot of those factors that you think um, weigh heavily on a new immigrant from such a foreign place for us were kind of mitigated we, it was kind of a softer blow for us um, we didn't have so much of those barriers that some immigrants really do face where it is a whole new place a language that you never spoke out of your mouth so we had some of that removed um, my parents as well they were already English speaking so that wasn't a difference um, so when we came here we were just like okay hey we're here we're speaking English everything's going fine um, what was the culture shock um, when we saw uh, the dress uh, girls actually wore shorts and shirts we were like we're saying uh, mom uh, girls dressed like boys here and we said it so innocently but that was the first time or that was the first country in our in our uh, young life where um, women could dress the same way as men do um, so that was some of the the differences the other difference we know we celebrated halloween there we said what, what are these people coming on my aunt's door they're saying what are they saying they're knocking on the door all evening anyway there were there were those were the only little evidences for us as a child that we were somewhere different um it it, it wasn't too hard of a transition at the beginning so it felt like as a child based on what you're describing from your childhood going to kuwait um there was a lot of diversity already so being raised in that um where you had the opportunity 
to go to an English speaking school. So English wasn't a big barrier, but definitely like some minor cultural um, differences were there. Like as you were mentioning about, you know, people having a different dressing style, um, different ways of celebrating holidays. But I'm sure your mother, like you were mentioning, uh, she experienced more of that because being, of course, um, a different generation and being niched with her family, going to a different um, community completely is uh, a bit of a, a discomfort. I'm sure she wasn't really comfortable with it. But over time, that um, she was able to integrate. So it's just because of the fa familial ties and having that distance. Of course, naturally, anybody would feel that um, homesickness. Oh yes, you've you've um, rephrased it and summarized it really well. Um, yeah, for my mom, now that we've talked about that, my experience was pretty mild. Um, if we go on to talk about my parents' generation, their early years, um, I'm happy to share about that from from what I've witnessed. Um, I re I'd remember my mom, um, you know, making calls, you know, once a week or once a month. Back then, it was astronomical prices to make a call that that far away it would be like a five second call and half of it would be in tears she'd be like mom you know i miss you oh my goodness this is so hard when can i see you again so she was like a homesick child so i, I do remember those conversations and it, it kind of even makes me teary remembering that um excuse me but yeah it was hard for my mom she was the youngest child she was the baby of her family so um i do feel for i i did feel for her and i and i still i i can um just imagine what she must have been experiencing then um you mentioned that she did end up integrating in a way you know we all have to adapt and adjust to the best we can uh so i do believe she made the best she could um she tried to keep a balance keeping in touch with her relatives and we still tried to make trips but yes it were no longer every summer she had no direct relatives here you know it was just her in-laws so it was it it did bear a lot on the rest of her life it did I think it did impact her a lot differently than it did me and maybe in a little more a little more harder way a little bit harder she did take on a lot of you know of the culture in America to her benefit mm -hmm. um, but she, I think she really missed her personality she's just very social so mm -hmm. that I think was the main thing missing those ties with people who just inherently feel like you they know you they just yeah. understand you. They know where you're coming from. Just missing that, I think. And she never, unfortunately, was able to rebuild that mm -hmm. as well in this country. Mm -hmm. um, so while she maybe um, made up for it in other ways, you know, she had her daughters. Um, she tried to work here and there. Um, mm -hmm. She had her home life. I think she really did suffer from that lack of um, ability to regain that social connection. And we all need social connections. Um, it's critical for our health, wellness, and in, in all ways. So uh, that was, uh, you know, that is something that I think a lot of immigrants end up, unfortunately, suffering. It's, it's, it's some people are able to make a new connection in a new community, and it's just as good as, you know, what they lost or what they um, left back home. And others, it's, it's just a new, it's, it's a whole new um, thing that they just either that they were able to come to terms with that they won't have that sense of community or it'll be a different sense or they never came to terms with it so my mom it was kind of the latter she, she just really still felt that absence 
Yeah. My dad, he was too busy with work, so he, he had his goal. He's, he's coming to America. He wants his daughters to be educated, so he's getting his goal done. He's busy at work. You know, he, he's entrusting my mom to take care of the children and everything. And, and um, he, he was okay. He was He's a very jovial personality. He loves learning new things. So for him, it was like a challenge that he would rise to. He's in a new place. He wants to make himself established, learn the... Um, you know, learn the best here and, and try to get the best done. Um, so he kind of took it easily, but I, I know he did face some of the harder um, sides that an immigrant may face in this country. He happened to have a thick accent, so he was noticeably foreign um, to those around him. Um, and, and luckily he had a personality that kind of made up for that foreign, uh, you know, some people when they meet someone obviously different from them, they feel a barrier. Mm. Um, but my father had that natural charm that almost overcame that barrier. So say you looked at him and he's, he's talking at you funny or he meant he says a weird word, um, but he's at the same time laughing and he has that twinkle in his eyes. So <laughs> you kind of forget the accent because the man in front of you is just so, uh, you know, jovial and so friendly. So um, he had a way to kind of mitigate that. But but that that's that's the. Um, that's my um, perspective of how my parents' uh, early years were. Yeah, it sounds like they had different responsibilities and different takes, uh, different perspectives of dealing with the situation. Like you were saying, your dad was very goal-oriented and he was like, I came here for a purpose and he really accomplished what he came here for. And despite, you know, having, like you're saying, the accent and everything, his personality uh, was really overpowering in a way where, you know, he's a friendly guy, he can interact with anybody. Um, even though your mom is social, but I think she really uh, misses uh, the, the cultural association um, that is here, but it's a bit fragmented, like you mentioned, because uh, you know there's so much um, diversity going on here and, um, and, and you have to make people understand <laughs> uh, your culture, where you're coming from versus, you know, if you're in your country, people already automatically know that there's a way of living. This is the way we live, this is the way we interact. So. Yeah, so how did, I wonder how that impacted you, and um, even though you were raised, say, um, in, 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 or went to school in Kuwait, how is the schooling system, even though you spoke in English, different, though, compared to here? I'm sure there were, like, a lot of differences in how you were taught, teaching-wise, you know, the, um, the standards, um, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, since I started here at school age, that's, that's I guess the perfect um, start off point of, of, of my um, appreciation of the differences. Yeah, so in Kuwait, uh, you know, a lot of schools there were taught in English because Kuwait was a country that relied on a lot of foreign labor, you know. So my father was a civil engineer. They, they contracted a lot of people from Southeast Asia to do a lot of their work. Um, so in English had to be the common language. We didn't speak Arabic. Um, uh, so English schools were not rare. Um, so the curriculum, you know, I only completed grade one or two there. So as far as I know, it was just perfectly fine. Um, but we had, there were Arabic classes offered. Um, like you mentioned, um, the, the student body was diverse. So, you know, I had friends from India there. I had friends uh, who were Buddhist. I had friends who are Muslim, you know, so um, I, I, I knew my teacher could speak Arabic. They could speak another language. Um, uh, and, and 
what else in particular were different you know uh, you know uniforms are more commonplace there so you know uniforms were the norm so our school we wore we all wore uniforms um what else day to day for different it is much more strict there i think they expect kids to be very well disciplined you listen to the teacher at her first order um i i i do believe teachers were allowed to slap you with their rulers so they would come around and even little mild little me which barely anyone can imagine i'd ever earn a ruler slap i think i remember earning a couple of ruler slaps i can't even remember why but they would say give me your hand and you would have to put your tiny little palm out there and they would take out their little wooden ruler and there you go i don't remember what i did but I don't know. It was a case of mistaken identity and I was too timid to say it wasn't me. I don't know. Um, what else was different? Uh, oh, so some of the celebrations there are different. So, mm-hmm. you know, here in the U.S., uh, actually here, I'll, I'll do it backwards. So because I, my first experience was in Kuwait. So, for example, in Kuwait, when you had um, when a child had a birthday, right, to celebrate in class, what would you be expected to do? You would bring the rest of the class the treats. So instead of the class celebrating and giving you cake or treats on your birthday, you would be the one bringing around treats for your teachers and to share anyway. It, and then um, it was it was, I don't know. It just seemed a little funny because then when I came to the U.S., I saw that it usually tends to be the other way i don't remember ever being in the u.s where on my birthday i would go bring treats to my teachers i don't ever remember that happening right so when i noted that that wasn't the norm i was like oh so i guess that's just a kuwaiti or you know muslim culture thing where on your birthday you're treating the other person and then i remember you know what actually that's true because i remember in bangladesh when we used to visit if it's my cousin's birthday or a family member's birthday or friends or they sell they have a new job or they got you know they graduated or they got good marks they would treat everyone else so some of that i guess it's done in the u.s culture but that that was one thing i recall that was a little different that when when you could get an achievement or have a celebration you treat the others <laughs> so interesting right seeing that you have the other but you're the one who actually received um yeah, you know, yeah. It's, 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 yeah you're, you're like happy birthday to me here's your cookie here's your piece of cake here are your sweets here's your chocolate it's my birthday here you go you get chocolate yeah i'm gonna treat you with something <laughs> rather than yeah and then conversely in the u.s when we came here um you know uh, school i saw everyone else took like a like a place of fun yay we're coming to school we get to hang out with our friends we get to play but i think i carried my formal um background from my um, initial schooling in kuwait you know i'd be the one sitting at my desk with my little hands folded in front of me you know blinking nicely at the teacher you know i'd be, I'd be the one everyone else i guess would have called teacher's pet you know raise my hand and, and uh, be eager to answer the question so um it was i guess it was like my job back then and i loved it i did love school so i, I liked um i liked the u.s system of education in that it kind of let you be um the one to take the initiative and in how much you want to be engaged to learn mm-hmm. so it kind of put the onus on you instead of feeling like someone else was the one driving you to do your work you know you got your homework assignment it's it's on you how 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 much passion you have to do it well so it kind of um 
I guess thankfully either I already had that passion or I already had that training so I just I I actually did my schoolwork and I did enjoy it um but but it was it was fun I loved school I did very obedient nervous and and shy at school but I enjoyed the, the classes that's really good yeah it gives it sounds like most of the people here you have to take your own responsibility and do it rather than having someone kind of uh, manage you Um, so how does having that background um, saying in Kuwait adversity how does it help you as a professional how does that impact um, your learning like you already mentioned it did in a a very positive way and also as a as a doctor as a physician um, that gives you I believe an upper hand because you have that exposure um so yeah yeah so uh you know every little bit of um, experience we have just colors the rest of how we approach things um so being an immigrant is one of those things that's so um impactful that yes, it definitely changes the way you approach, the way you look at things, the way you interpret things. It just gives you a whole new perspective. And I think the perspective that I was grateful to receive as an immigrant is that from a very early age, I learned to appreciate um, the variety around me, the differences. So um, I think that is is the main upper, like you like the wording, you know, upper hand that it gave me in my professional and personal um, personal um, uh, characteristics that variety was um, seen as a positive, you know, and as and it's a given. It's not an option not to have variation. To me, it's the norm. Variation is the norm, and it's a celebration, and it's never been a point of um, you know difficulty. So um, I think that really helped in um, personal relationships and professional to know that the person any person I'm interacting with I'm already expecting that there's going to be differences between us they're coming from something rich Um, whether it's a difference oh you're a tall person and I'm a short person or oh you like to um, you, you love going shopping and I hate going shopping or something big like oh your religion is um, you know, uh, you're, you're atheist and um, I'm Muslim. So um, those were just uh, normal to me and something to be encouraging curiosity and uh, appreciation and a point of learning from each other. Um, it's like it was normal to be an ambassador for each other. Everyone I'm meeting is, is a new chance to connect and um, learn from each other. And I think that was like the biggest advantage of coming from a different background and always just being, um, you know, within diversity. Yeah, I love hearing that. I love um, hearing that you said about curiosity. It allows uh, room for curiosity, learning, and uh, approaching someone from a unique, like learning about them and also approaching them with uh, that compassion. And um, it gives you a, a whole new perspective as a professional too. And I found that immensely helpful uh, for treatment and intervention too. So that's that's amazing that you mentioned that. And um, now that your son Yasin, uh, correct me if you're he's four years old. Yeah, he's um 3.8 or something like that. <laughs> almost, he's almost there. <laughs> so yeah, he's uh he's now growing um as the not second generation. Correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah, second generation. And so how are yeah. you seeing um 
how are you integrating some of your experiences and allowing him to experience his own, um, you know, I guess through his lens. He's very young right now, of course. Yeah. Through time, uh, I'm sure you're going to notice some changes in how he's going to um, experience life uh, using some yeah. of his background, learning from you a little bit, and also integrating with uh, what's being taught. So, yeah, how's that? Yeah, um, you know, uh, little Yasin joined us late in our marriage is a, you know, surprise, not surprise, but I think, you know, a, a much appreciated little blessing. He kind of completes our little circle of three um, for now. And um, like you mentioned, how are we passing on traditions or thoughts or, or you know, helping him benefit from our perspectives as an immigrant? Um Number one, you know, I think it starts from before birth and how you um, are, 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 are envisioning or hoping the best for your, your child. Um, we had to make a choice of name, you know, names give so much um, identity and background and, and convey a lot about um, just, just who we are or can convey a lot about who we are. Um, you know, so I came from, um, a Muslim country, uh, you know, an Islamic background, and and, and it's uh, important to name your child and in, in the Islamic faith uh, a name that that reflects goodness and in a good quality, and usually an Arabic name. So that was almost the first decision we had to make. Being now an American, you know, even though I came as an immigrant, after a couple of years, I considered myself American. You know, I start as an immigrant. I'm still, you know, always going to be considered an immigrant. But I'm also an American now. Um, so so for my son, that was the first step. You know, he, he's now born here. Um, we identify with each other by our names. So what name did I pick? Did I pick Joseph? I could have picked a name like Joseph, which is which would have maybe been acceptable in both um, from an Islamic sense, because it's the name of a prophet that's also recognized in Islam as well as in Christianity. Um, or I could have picked the Arabic form of Joseph, for example, Yusuf. So there are variations I could have picked to try to kind of, um, you can say, try to appease both sides of my um, identity. But I chose, you know, an Arabic name for him with a, with a good meaning, um, you know, the name of one of the uh, major chapters in our holy book, the Quran, Yasin. And I remember actually. Um, when you mentioned my career as a physician and, and my interactions with patients being, being uh, and how it's colored by my experience as an immigrant, I remember when I was pregnant, one of my patients, because, you know, you build rapport, you become, you know, personable to each other. Um, one of my patients in all, I think, good intention mentioned to me when I was pregnant, oh, I hope you give him an American name to make his life easy. I That comment really, it, it stuck to me. I didn't I don't remember my reaction to her. I'm sure I just said, oh, okay, thanks. You know, thanks for that input. Yeah, it's, it, it can be difficult based, you know, our experiences can change based on the names we're given. But I remember that comment, but I, I, obviously I didn't follow it. Um, but it, it just told a lot to me to think about having to change a child's name to make that child more acceptable in the society they're growing up in. Um, so I did have to make that conscious first decision as a parent. Did I really think that that was a bad thing for my child and what would I be doing? So um, I chose to be brave and to um, put faith in, in people's curiosity and people's appreciation for diversity 
and I chose to include, um, you know, keeping an Arabic Muslim name as part of um, what I'm passing on to my, you know, to him, Yasin. Wow. Um, yeah, so that was <laughs> that was basically the first little instance of making him, you know, keep keep some of the diversity alive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, in our home, I made sure we always speak Bangla. So he's like 100% speaking Bangla at home. Um, yeah, because you know what? I remember my parents, my poor mom, she would she would tell me and my sister, why are you speaking English? Speak your home language. Uh, you need to keep your mother tongue alive. And you know what? Sadly, we didn't keep it up until we regretted it later. So we grew up not speaking our home language at home. We speak chatter away in English all the time. Da, 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 da. And my mom's like, I feel like I'm in a foreign house, you know? So my mom doubly felt foreign because her own kids were speaking a different tongue. So I remember we did not follow that rule. We, we just we just spoke English all the time, like a secret language so fast. My mom would probably have a hard time telling what we were doing. But you know what? Later on when we grew up, um, especially me, I wanted to reconnect to my culture and I made it a point to speak more born Bangla and feel more confident in it um, and my American accent in Bangla has diminished over time so I got you know growing up in America my Bangla became so bad my Bangla had an accent my English sounded fine but my Bangla sounded Americanized so I'd be that that was another you know unique unique experience as an immigrant you're never 100% here nor there I'm never considered 100% Bengali Right. And yet, and I'm also never considered 100% American. So, I'm, you know, immigrants are in this strange little gray zone. We're kind of floating out there. We, we don't fully have a home here or there. Or you can take it more positively and say we have a home in more than one place, which is how I take it. Yeah. I can say I have the benefit. I can blend right in in Bangladesh or mostly. I can mostly blend in and I can mostly blend in here. So. Right best of the both worlds as they say yeah yeah so anyway so th- those are the type of um things that i don't i now already lost track of what i was doing but yes language was another thing we wanted to pass on with yasin and also um so language name and our religion so i am imparting our you know religious background to yasin and um because for me that's just a, a way of life that's um really shaped who i am and been part of my identity and i want um you know i think whatever pieces of our identity that have been helpful to us it's good to impart that as an option or a good way of thinking for anyone who's around us so I did want my um, son to have that exposure so um, those are the main things we're passing on Um, some of the things we're not passing on um, kind of that authoritarianism that can be prevalent in the Bengali and sometimes the Muslim family structure as in, you know, the parents say to do this, don't question me, you do it now. I don't want a response from you. I don't want to hear no. And you do it only because I said so. That's the answer to, to, to kids in, from Bangladesh and the old generation. So those are the, some of the things we're doing differently um, with Yasin. Um, spurring from what I've seen in America, um, again, trying to foster independent thought. Um, and, and let him come into his own personality. So we encourage him um, to make the choice. I give you the choices and you choose among them. Um, I'll help keep you safe, but you're going to um, grow into your, your own person and I'm not going to harp on you and I'm not going to force you to do one way or another. You're going to get to pick the clothes that you want to wear. Okay, you know, so so those are some, some things that are different. Um, 
in, in Bangui culture, um, when you're a kid, you don't have independence, but yet you're spoiled. Um, oh, the kid's crying. Oh, well, give him the TV or give him chocolate. So some of the child rearing techniques, I'm not following the old school Bengali uh, ways of old, you know. So, so there are there are some blending right. of, 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 of everything I've seen. That's beautiful. So that's nice to hear that. Yeah, you're giving him that flexibility. Of course, there's some core values you're trying to impart, which sounds like language, religion, um, you know, having that name identity um fostered and then also giving him that room to grow um letting go of some of the cultural uh perspectives that's mm-hmm. that's um that's kind of writ- along the lines of rigidity and i can also resonate with that too so mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and i really appreciate that you're doing that for yasin um that's amazing so with that being said is there anything else that you would like to share to the audience or suggest um when you meet an immigrant, how you should kind of treat them before we close. Is there is there anything? Just uh, I'm just putting. Hmm, let's around, see. But... Uh, again, I think you know, uh, it's good to share these stories, um, especially with immigrants, because it's such a life-defining uh, um, thing to be considered foreign-born. Um, you know, we've we've gotten this whole time to share my. Um, experience through it, but then how did others perceive me? What did I feel about how how accepting were others of me? You know, you know, I came here, I was accepting of everybody, but what did I feel? Did I feel others were as accepting of me? I didn't get to touch on that because I talked so much. But anyway, um, you know, in the early years, you know, other kids treated me just like any other kid, and I think partly was maybe because um, I spoke English fine. Um, I was able to communicate fine. There wasn't that barrier. So in in the young days, I didn't feel like I was made to be otherized or made to be judged based on my different look. Mm-hmm. Um, in my high school years, even and no, you know, actually, I didn't I didn't get to feel discriminated against. Um, and I think a big part was because I I kind of once you started talking to me, it sounded like you know I was already similar to the people I was talking with. I think that's one thing when you meet an immigrant, you can they can be in all different phases. They can be very, um, it can be a very foreign place for them. And it's a very much a thing of bravery that they're doing. They're transplanting everything they know and they're putting their faith and trust and their hopes, you know, to take that they're able to take root in a new home. So I think it is important to show compassion for that. Um, someone's Facebook post the other day uh, was something very um, timely. Someone was, uh, someone I guess who had an accent was holding up a sign and had a picture taken saying, my accent is a sign of bravery. So, you know, you got to take it like that. When you hear someone's accent, that's not a weakness. That's not, that is, that person is brave. You, you, Absolutely. You can't take it any other way. That person is brave, and you got to respect that. Especially if you say you're the home of the free, you know, land of the free, home of the brave. All these immigrants, these people who are trying to struggle and talk to you, and 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 still making an effort, they are they're brave. So give them some kudos, give them some compassion. They are missing their homes, but they are trying to make a new home here, um, or else they wouldn't be here. So they are trying to contribute. Most people. And and um, I think it's it's great to to understand that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So so that's 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 my um, 
but I don't, I don't think I have anything more. But um, I, I hope we can just, you know, all all show kindness and learn from each other. Um, I think that's what's great great in this country. Um, yeah, I really do appreciate your perspective that you shared. That yeah, when you come to this country, which was also built on the foundation of you know having other people come from a freedom, the land of the free. When you're here in the land of the free, to be bold, to be brave, to come here, it's actually it's actually no one's country. It's diversity, yeah. and everyone's here um, to to create an opportunity for themselves. So yeah, some of the native speaking, uh, so-called Americans, they, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, it, okay, this is how we speak, this is the way, this is our accent. It's a melting, not a melting pot, I call it a fruit salad here. Yes, so, tossed salad, yep. So, so this is what we're here for. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you bringing that and suggesting uh, the natives to, to be more compassionate. Um, that someone has an accent and they're trying to speak another language. I wonder how it would be for someone who was a native here but goes to another country, right? It's yes. They would, oh have my to, gosh. they would have heavy accents. They, they, you could imagine how it would be. Um, yes. So, so changing perspectives, seeing yes. things from a, a 360 or mm-hmm. a three-dimensional view is very important regardless where mm-hmm. you go. So yes. I think that was a very um, wonderful thought that you mentioned, Taz. So thank yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah, so again, thank you, Dr. Ahmed, mostly a tad for joining me uh, and talking about this, sharing your story. It is really a, a very enriching experience, and it was a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Ms. Nazia Basha. It was a pleasure uh, getting to have this conversation with you. <laughs> I, I love it. Likewise, dear. Thank you, challengers. And again, we are evolving here daily at Challenge Me for You. Be well, be safe, peace.